0: Hello, Welcome to the Justice at Work podcast. I'm Adian Miller, and today I thought we might talk through some of the reasons why a case may not be accepted for representation and what you can do about it. I know a number of people, a number of my clients who are hesitant to reach out and talk to an attorney. And underneath that fear is a fear of rejection, a fear that they're going to talk about something that happened to them that was very hard or difficult and then an attorney's going to reject them. They may come across as greedy or they're afraid they'll sound like a victim or they'll not be believed. And so I wanted to kind of go through and talk through some of the reasons that cases aren't accepted for representation um, because those really aren't the reasons why most cases are not accepted. And so I have a quick list of Seven reasons here why your case may not be accepted, but there's probably a lot more. But this is just sort of a breeze through to give you an idea of what we look for and what might be your case so that you're less afraid to reach out and and get that feedback. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was there's a large gulf of difference between an unfair situation in the workplace and an unlawful one. And so folks may come to us very often with a situation that's unfair. And that is the right instinct. You should reach out and get legal advice if you think that there is something unfair happening in the workplace and it's affecting your paycheck. However, what actually rises to a lawsuit can sometimes be a little bit different. And it can be very dependent upon where you're at, where you're working, and what laws apply. So for instance, here in Georgia, we're known as a right-to-work state, which means that there are not as many protections for employees, and most of the laws do favor employers. That means for us to pursue a case, we are usually relying on federal law. Most of the federal anti-discrimination laws were passed a few decades ago. They're pretty old. And they've been interpreted by courts here in Georgia and in what is known as the 11th Circuit, which is the circuit that Georgia's part of, um, for a while now. And so a lot of this case law over time may lead to different interpretations. And so what might be a good case in California might not be a good case in Georgia. So that's why it's important to talk to an attorney uh, that works in the state where you were working some instances of situations where things are unfair but maybe not unlawful one that i hear a lot are sometimes an employer has family members that work for them and those family members receive unfair benefits they receive better work schedules they receive more bonuses uh, they aren't held to the same rules now that's an unfair situation and it's affecting your pay and it's not due to anything that you're doing however There's no law that prohibits that. So in Georgia, if your boss wants to favor his nephew employee who always shows up late and leaves early, there's not really going to be a lot you can do about that. Georgia takes the stance generally that if a workplace is really unfair, the employees are just going to find somewhere else to work. It's sort of a free market approach. And so in that case, it might be time for you to just look for somewhere else to go. In other situations, we do have behavior that would typically be unlawful, but maybe still doesn't fit the case law or the legal requirements to bring a lawsuit. So for instance, let's say you're working somewhere and you're a 38 year old employee and this workplace really favors the younger employees. There's a lot of deference given to folks who are 22, 23. They kind of run the place and you may feel rightfully so, that this is unfair. Um, Your age should not be a factor considered when looking at your compensation or your employment. The only thing that should be considered are factors relevant to your employment, like your productivity, the way that you get along with your colleagues, your initiative, those kinds of things. However, in Georgia, for the most part, you're only going to be able to bring cases under the Age Discrimination and Employment Act, which requires you to be at least 40 years old. That's sort of a bright line rule, back from when the law was first passed. It has nothing to do with you as a person or your personal situation. Um, It does not help everybody. But the general idea is that it's going to provide protections for older employees. So that might be a case where you are experiencing age discrimination, but may not necessarily be actionable, which is a term that lawyers use to talk about situations that may not be good for lawsuits. So in a case like that, the only way you would know that is by talking to an attorney. Um, The average employee has no idea what laws cover them and whether or not they might have a case. And so the only way to find that out is to vet it through an attorney. And if the attorney is able to provide you feedback that says, look, under the relevant laws, you wouldn't get very far with a lawsuit, that's useful information. That is information that tells you that this is not worth your time or your resources and you are free to move on. You should not hold back from having your situation screened because you are afraid of being rejected when it may just be a matter of figuring out if there's even a case under the law. The second most common reason that cases get turned down is simply a statute of limitations issue. Statute of limitations is the time period you have to bring a lawsuit. Every law that you could sue under has a time period. The statute itself either provides the statute of limitations or the period of time in which you can sue or courts have interpreted over time and have set that. And the only way you're going to know what that statute is, is if you talk to an attorney. Now, without getting too much into the weeds, discrimination cases generally have to be filed with the EEOC before you can bring a lawsuit. So The EEOC is the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Typically, if you want to sue for gender, race, age, religious discrimination, you have to first show that you filed a charge of discrimination with the EEOC. It's a legal hurdle called an exhaustion of administrative remedies, and it's specific to these types of cases. Now, in many states in the U.S., you have 360 days to file that charge from the event that you think was discriminatory. In Georgia, you have 180 days. So again, just coming back to that common theme that in Georgia, um, the rights are not as favorable to employees. So if you perhaps were fired for racism, let's say, you feel that the reason you were terminated was because of your race, and you had to scramble to find another job, perhaps you had to move um, to be able to find other work, to keep a roof over your head, and by the time the dust settles and you reach out to an attorney, it's been more than 180 days. You're not gonna be able to go forward with a lawsuit. You're not gonna be able to go forward with a charge of discrimination. These types of regulations are very strict and lawyers don't have a lot of grounds to argue around them. And so that may be a situation where you have a great case, um, but it's just not timely. And that means that's something we can't pursue. Similarly, number three, the employment context. We have a lot of folks who come to us who maybe have a great case, but they signed a severance agreement. Not every severance agreement prevents you from pursuing your rights, and so you should always talk to an attorney. But a lot of severance agreements are basically an exchange. They are an exchange of money that you receive in exchange for agreeing not to sue them. You're releasing your claims against them. Now, most folks, when they are terminated, it's a bit of a surprise. You're hauled into a room with HR. You're not expecting it. You're learning that your livelihood is now going away and uh, you're given the option of getting some money if you sign a piece of paper. So not surprisingly, a lot of folks sign them. I don't judge a single person who comes through and it turns out that they signed a release. And in fact, there's usually a revocation period for a period of time after you sign a release um, where you can change your mind. So it's worth talking to an attorney, but it may be that once I see that severance agreement, look at it, I realize it's binding, the time has passed to revoke it, and you've released your claims. That may also be a situation where you have a great case, but you're just not gonna be able to pursue it because you signed this release. A Couple other areas where a case might get turned down is if there's a conflict of interest. If the law firm perhaps has provided advice or counseling to a company, and then later an employee wants to sue that company, that law firm would be precluded from representing that employee because the company had previously been a client. Now, at Barrett Farahani, we are a plaintiff's only firm, and so that is not usually a concern, but it is something that every law firm will check for. Fifth, sometimes somebody will come to us, and if you're a good attorney, you may recognize that the case presents issues that you're not really experienced in. And so a good attorney is going to say, look, I think there might be these particular issues. That's not an area of law I really practice in. You should talk to an attorney with this expertise. One way that comes up in employment law is sometimes employees will come to us and part of their termination or part of their situation is say they lose their access to a pension plan. That pension plan may be subject to something called ERISA. It's the Employment Retirement Income Security Act, which regulates plans that provide uh, benefits to employees as part of their compensation. And so an attorney may recognize, hey, this involves ERISA, that's not something I really know a lot about. You're gonna need to speak to somebody else. Take them at face value and don't push them on that. Um, You don't want an attorney who just says, hey, this is easy, I can figure it out. (laughs) Um, Every attorney sort of knows what lane they're in and what they are skilled to provide advice on. And so if they refer you out to talk to somebody with a certain level of expertise, take that referral. Sixth, if you're talking to contingency fee attorneys, which is what Barrett Fairhani does in many situations, um, where you are looking to have a firm represent you, at no cost, and then if they are successful, um, then the recovery is split between the client and the firm. You see that with some labor and employment firms. Um, You see that with a lot of personal injury firms. In those cases where the firm is looking to front the costs, one of the factors we have to look at is whether or not there is a recovery, whether or not it's a recoverable case. And that can present as a couple different concerns. One, if there's very limited recovery, a very small amount of money uh it may not make sense to a put the resources in to pursue it and b to take a, you know a percentage cut of it that may not be the best situation that client might be better served to pay a flat fee and is going to get more money back by doing by going in one of those arrangements the other concern we have and it's especially relevant this past year because of covid is making sure that a defendant is solvent. That is that the defendant actually has income, is not going bankrupt. And so that if we go forward with suing them, they're going to be able to provide some kind of recovery. Um, And that is one of the things that we sometimes have to look at. If you are in the middle of a lawsuit and the company goes bankrupt, it can be very hard to collect on anything at all. So that's just a matter of making sure everyone's spending their resources in a way that's going to be beneficial to all parties. Finally, There are some subjective non-tangibles when you're listening to cases. I know within every law firm I've ever worked at, we sometimes will pass a case around and get other opinions um, because some attorneys uh, have more experience with one area of law or they may sort of subconsciously favor another area of law. I know I'm partial to disability discrimination cases. I tend to look at them much more favorably and I know that I am asked to look at uh, disability discrimination cases where my colleagues aren't sure if there's a case because they know if there is a case, I'm probably gonna find it. And those kinds of things you can't really control for. So that leads us to what you should do if your case is turned down. Um, I always say get a second opinion. Go find somebody else. It's just like talking to a doctor. Make sure that somebody else doesn't read your situation and have a different opinion on what your possibilities are. If you find that no attorney is very interested in pursuing a lawsuit, ask them what you can do. What can you do on your own? I'm always happy to help clients figure that out, or non clients, I should say. Um, if it's discrimination in the workplace, you can go directly to eeoc.gov and file your own charge of discrimination. If it's a matter of workplace safety, you can go to OSHA.gov and file a complaint. If it's a matter of wage and hour, you can go to DOL, Department of Labor, .gov, and also file a complaint. In all of these instances, this government agency is going to take down the facts of your complaint, reach out to the employer, and ask for information. And in some of these instances, the agency may be able to help you recover. This can be a great option if what you're really looking for is accountability. If you really just want more information as to why something occurred, or if you want to remind the employer that they are accountable to government agencies and do have to answer for their actions. There can be a good deal of satisfaction found in holding them accountable. And so I always encourage folks to go this route. Finally, if you do want a lawyer, if you want to continue to speak to lawyers, sometimes there are volunteer legal agencies that can provide representation in some instances. Here in Georgia, I recommend the Atlanta Volunteer Lawyers Foundation, which you can find at avlf.org, or the Legal Aid Society for Georgia or Atlanta. And sometimes these organizations are able to help folks out. Finally, I always encourage people, if you don't like the laws, please go out and change them. Vote for representatives who have different laws. Suggest laws that would be more helpful to employees in situations like yours. I always encourage folks to get involved in the democratic process and to stay empowered. So hopefully this has been a bit helpful to you. Thank you for listening to the Justice at Work podcast. Make sure to subscribe to get notifications on new episodes. If there are topics you'd like us to discuss, please feel free to message us on Twitter or LinkedIn at Barrett Perhani. And if you have any legal questions, the attorneys here are always happy to help. You can check us out at justiceatwork.com or call us at 404-487-0909 you're working to try to educate employees in the workplace and beyond. So if there is anything you think we could help you with, please don't hesitate to reach out.